What's up, Jay Browns? Live from Toronto, Ontario, and Kansas City, Missouri, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know you're alive, pal. The holiday season is upon us. AEW Full Gear has our hearts and minds filled with the fighting spirit as Tony Khan continues to outdo himself. <laughs> Dude, Full Gear. <laughs> absolutely incredible pay-per-view. Dude, dude, I don't want to overstate things, but I'm about overstate to. I, like, for me, this is the best wrestling pay-per-view that I've ever seen. In terms of match quality, spectacle... You know, everything that I'm looking for in a pay-per-view, like I'm sure like there's a Wrestle Kingdom that has a couple matches that are better than the best match on this card. But as far as just front to back, just like never being bored, four hours, like sometimes the four-hour pay-per-views get me a little bit, have my interest waning. This card was so impeccably booked and yeah, just just front to back, great matches, like nothing I would have cut. My my, probably my new favorite pay-per-view. Yeah, that's true. The four-hour format, I know you're d- not a big fan of. Like, you love NXT TakeOver, tight card, uh, you know, two yeah, and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, that's a, little, but... that's a little tight. Like, I understand, uh, you know, AEW's got more stuff going on. Right. But for me, like, between Five three and three and a half little. hours. Right. And usually, we've always had a, a match that we were like, oh, I wish this wasn't on the card. And I think this yes. year, that would have been the, or for this pay-per-view, that would have been the American Top Team match. And then even that just, like, ripped it up. Like, that was probably the worst match on the card, and it was still awesome. This pay-per-view was very well booked, where it had a lot of kind of mat classics, a lot of, like, work great classics, and then, like, a hardcore match. I know you said that that was uh, the American Top Team match was kind of, like, the boomer match, the match for the boomer yeah. demographic. Yeah, well, basically, based off the pre-match package, for sure. But right from the start, I mean, dude, the buy-in, AW's women's division, absolutely ripping up. The buy-in, so we're recording this, like... A little late and rampage just happened and jade cargill and uh red velvet had a killer match uh, oh my gosh yeah i've been i haven't seen rampage yet that's how behind i am but i'm really excited to see that match they've been i i really enjoy how many different feuds they have going on in the women's division it always felt like there was only like one women's story yeah totally ever, like, that's what it was week. like for the first few years yeah and just looking at the people that were in the buy-in match like thunder rosa karushita Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter, all four of them, any of those people could be booked to be the TBS champion. Like there was a oh, point, hundred percent. like maybe a year, year and a half ago where it was like, okay, they only have like three people that could be even like realistically right. become the women's champion right now. So I don't know. Yeah. But now it feels like the, anyone in that tournament could be champion like Red Velvet in the match against Jade Cargo, which I know you didn't see booked as like a great underdog and will be booked as an incredible underdog champion. Maybe eventually when she, her and Jade Cargill have like another feud in the future for one of the titles. Uh, She's a really cool like um, story because she was basically just kind of booked into that feud initially with Jade Cargill as a replacement for Brandy. Right. Right. When Brandy became pregnant. Yeah. Maternity leave. And uh, yeah. So I think that feud was always supposed to be Brandy versus uh, Jade Cargill. And it's so cool to see how Red Velvet has kind of stepped up into that role. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see. I feel like she's, she's a real future star. Like I don't, I assume Jade Cargill won the match. She did, yeah. I can absolutely see her as a, as a future champion. Same with Jamie Hayter. Like, Jamie Hayter is on such a slow burn right now as, like, Britt Baker's, you know, goons. allies. Goons, if you will. But <laughs> I can see her definitely 
um, you know, that that becoming a story. Like, we know that Britt Baker's eventually going to fight Thunder Rosa. And I think we also know that Britt Baker's eventually going to fight Jamie Hayter when that kind of relationship sours. So it's really cool to see all the seeds that are being planted. But yeah, this, this buy-in match, this is exactly what we're looking for in the buy-in, which is like a match that if you watched it, you'd be like, I should probably buy that pay-per-view. Yeah, just really, really sick wrestling between four individuals that are just like really great in ring in different ways and like it really set up like the night in terms of the match that followed it the first match on full gear proper darby allen versus mjf which in retrospect now that we have a little bit of distance from the pay-per-view like i think there are this is the match that had like probably for me like maybe the least story like there were stories that i definitely dis really disliked like the american top team story but like sure this match i would say had almost it didn't it, they there was that promo they had against each other where mjf said a bunch of horrible things about darby's uncle and i remember right they've not been really sort of liking building that it. Um, but yeah, yeah, they've been building it, but like neither of us was super into the feud that much. And I remember, yeah, this one just being like, you know, I'm sure it'll be good because these two always kind of rip it up in the, in these big spot matches. Um, but it was even better than I expected, honestly, like probably MJF's best match. Also cool to know. I didn't like, this was only, I don't know if this has been mentioned before, but on commentary Excalibur mentioned that Darby has amateur wrestling experience, which I don't think that's really ever been said before no but, but i mean it's so easy so to obvious see. yeah it was such an incredible mat wrestling at the start of this match it was just all these reversals all these flip-ups they're getting pinned and they raise their their chest at the last moment and catches catch can wrestling it had everything it was there's so many great reversals and the crowd was just like absolutely wired from the start of this yeah um, the map based wrestling at the start uh I don't know. I love when matches start like that with like grounded sort of a grounded build where each wrestler, especially when it's two wrestlers like this, where it's like someone like MJF, who's kind of more traditional wrestling wrestler, yep. but also has notes of like contemporary wrestling within his like moveset. And then Darby, who is complete like wild ass Jushin Liger cruiserweight. Totally. Mixed, filtered through, like, Spike Dudley, <laughs> Smash Mouth, <laughs> wrestling matches. And, like, absolutely that first, the first, like, sequence of uh, moments where they're both on the mat, but then Darby starts getting the upper hand because he's quick, but then MJF yes. matches his quickness, and then just, like, it culminates into the two of them kind of standing off and the crowd screaming. It's really, like, I don't know, the... Uh, the way they built the two of them up, like kind of like separately in the way that they're clashing in different ways is so great. The original AEW sort of mid card that is like moving slowly towards the main event, like Darby, Jungle Boy, uh, MJF, like think about any combination of those three have always been banger matches. Dude, yeah, Sammy like, and Darby just... from Revolution. Oh yeah, I forgot last Sammy. Year. Yeah, Sammy as well. That was Man, like a nine or ten minute match, I think, and that match was cra- the the one where like Sammy does a like a five forty to the outside through a table. Um, totally. To me, these guys are like the the heart and soul of AEW. Like, no matter you know how many people come and go, like your uh, Brian Danielsons and CM Punks and stuff, who are you know there to get those like huge huge pops. Like these these are the people who have been there from day one and who we've seen kind of get better and better and better and when they eventually ascend to the top it's going to be the absolute i mean this hangman page 
you know, was, was incredible. But I think the day when Jungle Boy eventually wins is going to be even sweeter because he started kind of like from the bottom of the card. Yeah, truly. Like in AW, yeah, because like Hangman coming in had like sick runs in New Japan, Ring of Honor. And then came like, in and said, I'm going to be the first he, main event champion. It didn't happen. But, like, you know, he was already at the top of the card, like, in his mind. It's not like Jungle... Yeah, well, Hangman was in the G1. Like, Jungle Boy has not been in the G1. He's, like, you know, pre-AEW was, like, I believe, wrestling in GCW and indie shows. And otherwise, you know, yeah. Definitely, like, one of the most um, sort of ground zero AEW stars. And, yeah, dude, sign of the night in this match. MJF eats sloppy steaks. (laughs) mjf would slot so well into that crew. he absolutely would need some like yeah oh totally there were some wild wild moves in this uh match like there was a huge code red reversal from mjf oh, they turned yeah. into a high angle power bomb that just uh darby took on the very top of his shoulders looked so painful desperation tombstone pile driver onto the apron from mjf and just like an absolutely wild series of pinfall attempts that led up to MJF attempting a last ride power bomb that Darby then reversed into the code red. A really cool symmetry. Like at first it was a code red that got reversed into a power bomb totally. from MJF, and then eventually MJF goes for the power bomb reversed into the code red. Uh, also a coffin drop onto the floor. Like man, this match, you know, definitely one of the best matches of the night. Like I would say. Probably top three best matches of the night. Yeah, one of my favorites of the year. I think my favorite of the night, like, may not, and like I said at the beginning, is it's not necessarily because for a story reason, but just like in ring wise, is everything that I really love to see. Classic. You made a really cool point, too, that it was more of the sports based presentation that we were kind of all expecting from AEW, yes. like leading up to it. Totally. This match is what I thought AEW, not that I thought AEW would only be one single thing, but like based off of them saying they're going to be a sports-based presentation, but then with, like, these Western stars, like, this is exactly what I thought AEW would be. Basically, like, cool, classic wrestling characters. Like, Darby's sort of, would his character would slot right into, like, the Attitude Era or, like, ECW. Totally. And then MJF would slot, you know, right into, like, 80s wrestling, like, you know, Mid-South or something like that. And then you yeah. get these two people, th- those two like sort of like characters clashing in like a G one type match. That is exactly what I thought AEW was going to be. Uh, it's always wild that they have such great characters. Like I, I kind of say it all the time, but like you know MJF such a great character, he wouldn't even need to be that good at wrestling. <laughs> you know what I mean to be totally. successful. Yeah. And the same with Darby Allen. Darby's so over it could be just be a lot of kind of like spots based wrestling, but they're both like they have such a technical grounding um, that yeah makes makes them absolutely i can't remember what you say but we got all the tools all tool player you trying to find a like a uh like a sports phrase. metaphor i was oh, trying to, i was funny. trying to be like a trying to be like jr or something use a metaphor um, from film instead uh dude yes <laughs> also want to mention like the use of interference in this match yes, perfect very like good. when they yeah. ran out when wardlow and uh spears i think is who ran out yeah wardlow and spears like when they ran to the ring i was like all right here we go this is like we're getting like an evil ending to this match, but Dick then Sting comes out like and clubs them, and then that's it, and it's over. Uh, and then MJF does cheat. Like he does use that distraction to put on the diamond diamond ring, but the fact that he has the diamond ring, it's kind of like a signifier of like how good he is in the company. So him using that, it feels different than just normal interference. It feels like interference, like with like metaphorical, yes, kind of purpose. So I. 
and and again, it's like the the it wasn't like Darby was dominating the entire match and MJF just won because of that. Like either of them realistically could have won at any moment. It's just like MJF doesn't leave a lot up to chance, you know, because he's a a devious heel. So, right. Um, yeah. Well, and I think there's something less annoying about it when it's like not multiple people, like evils. Like, evil and Dick Togo, Dick Togo just being allowed to be in the ring and constantly, perpetually being allowed to be a ringside. He comes in the ring for, like, five it's minutes. It's basically like, every evil match down. is a two-on-one match. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like this, yeah, like, when it's, like, you know, I don't know, a distraction and someone uses a belt or, like, a chair. Or, like you said, yeah, this there's more story implications to MJF using the ring. So, like, you know, it's a little, little easier to tolerate. Speaking of a two-on-one match... The next match we had was the AW World Tag Team Championship match of the Lucha Bros versus FTR. And apparently, Dax Harwood got knocked out about 10 minutes into this match, um, which I didn't even notice. The only indication that there would have been would have been like the ending where the Lucha Bros won by pinning the illegal man. Um, because apparently, there was supposed to be a little bit more like um, shenanigans kind of leading mm. up to that and like after that which would kind of like then lead into their match at Triple Mania but I think because Dax was like you know KO'd at a certain point they just decided to like go for the ending but I did not notice because like this match was absolutely again like uh, another absolute classic yeah I can't believe this was a second match like it is such a sick match and yeah the, the ending just seems weird like weird like the time to me i just thought the timing was off or something like a camera angle was shown that we sure. weren't supposed to see or something like that like when that was all happening i couldn't necessarily i didn't necessarily understand what was going on there in the ending yeah and then Man, it just sort of ends ftr stereo moves are just like things of beauty like watching ftr do an assisted backdrop is is like watching arn and tully do an assisted backdrop from like the War Horsemen. Like they're just they're so fantastic together. I love their like their stuffed pile drivers. There was a moment in this match where they almost stole it by Cash hitting Phoenix with the AAA belt into a huge falling brainbuster from Dax. Again, Dax's falling brainbusters, so sick. Um, Dax did a three amigos, one of three really cool Eddie Guerrero spots from the night. Um, yeah, three amigos from Dax that was then reversed into one from Penta with the crowd chanting Eddie into a huge frog splash from Phoenix for the near fall. Absolutely beautiful spot. Like that could have been the, the end spot. So sick. Um, yeah. Stuffed pile driver from FTR leads to uh, another near count. And Phoenix just sold that stuffed pile driver. Like it was like he was TKO'd. Dude. Yeah. The vibe of this match had me feeling like AEW has absorbed everyone that's like really interested in the art of of professional wrestling like the like the actual like I don't know what like goes into everything to make a great wrestling match totally and in thinking about their tag division it's like who like this is another Dude. instance like I said with Darby and MJF where it's like this is what I thought AEW would be this is also that too where it's like Lucha Bros one of the greatest Lucha tag teams ever Versus FTR, ever. one of the greatest wrestling tag teams ever. And then you have like also the the Young Bucks, which I think are like the triumvirate, the triforce of the absolute right. Elite yeah, tag who teams. outside of the three of them, yeah, is even close to their level? Like as a, a tag team that cannot be separated, like Dangerous Techers, ZSJ and Tai Chi would be cool to slot into that mix of people. But they, to totally. me, are more of like the type of tag team where it's like two singles people who have like Omega Man or something. Sure. Uh, sure. Cowboy Bebop. Although, 
Although, um, I gotta say, Dax has been having lots of great singles matches. Totally, uh, yeah. I guess I just meant, like, they're mostly their presentation no, is, like, t- put as a two 100%. people who can't be split apart. Yes, that's true. 100%. And it wasn't necessarily meaning they couldn't be, but, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, totally. I think that um, Proud and Powerful are, are, are pretty we'll close put them in to there, too. Entering. Totally. Dude, they carried pretty the, close. the match, the American Top Team match, for sure. Very true. I think they're probably going to maybe be the next ones to win the the tag belts off of Lucha Bros. Oh, yeah. That's how I would book it. Totally. But, um, yeah. Oh, my God. And then there was a top rope double stomp fear factor That was sick, driver. yeah. Where cross he, like, body. Uh, he jumped off of, yeah, a double stomp flying cross body across the ring where it was Phoenix, Phoenix was on the top rope, double stomps, FTR member number one, and then cross bodies, FTR member number two. Absolutely killer. Dax is bald and Cash has. Well, I remember who they are. I don't remember what who Penta was holding <laughs> yeah, and who no, was standing there. Absolutely, totally, totally. Yeah, honestly, like this was great. I'm so glad the feud's continuing on to Triple Mania. Um, not quite a, a clean win with the with the pinning the illegal men, but by this second match, I was like, okay, they might have front loaded this pay per view because these matches were so good. Like, there's no way they can just keep putting on great matches like for the rest of the card. And then the next match was. The Redeemer Miro versus the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Absolutely sick match. Like, this is a match that I never really, uh, when Danielson came in, was not at the front of my mind. And it's cool. And I don't think it was supposed to happen either. Right, because it, it was kind of yeah. only got slotted on because, because Moxley was, uh, yeah, went into rehab. But, like, imagine, like, how cool this promotion is that this is the match we get as, like, a replacement. Yeah, it was sick. Look, like such a cool match. Like they're both Miro really seems like quite a match for Danielson because he also uses like these huge submission holds and he's like a very good kicker, um, like really, really hard strikes. And he's also got like obviously huge like he's he's got the the size advantage on. Yeah, Miro's just a huge mountain of a man. So he can absorb absorb a lot of Danielson's like key offense, like knees and strikes. And he's fast too. He's really fast. So he can, he can compete with, with Daniel Bryan. So this was really cool. This, this felt like one of, uh, I like, I honestly didn't think Brian Danielson was going to win this match and he did go on to win. And it's really cool. But like, I honestly thought this was, this was Miro's to lose. Like Miro got his, um, didn't quite get the game over. Like he, he, he caught him in the sort of headlock, but didn't get him into the, um, like didn't fall back and like hook his legs around Brian. I think if he had done that, like it's kind of like Kenny Omega never took the the buckshot lariat when he when he beat Hangman before he never took that. I think it's sort of the same thing. I think like Miro's move is still booked as like unstoppable and like if he had gotten that into Brian, but Brian was able to kind of like roll out of it. Yeah, there were a few matches on this card that felt like true competitive fights like this and kingston versus cm punk both matches felt like either person could win at any time like it would have been totally believable for miro to get a surprise upset because he wasn't part of the tournament he didn't go through the first few rounds so he's fresh and apart from like you know and then outside of that has just been walking around destroying everybody uh including the person that beat him for the title sammy uh and he had he had a lot of answers to to Brian here. Like Brian went for the tope out of the ring and just met a huge punch by Miro in the face. Um, I don't know why it always wilds me out like how hard Brian's chops are because he never really pulls his punches. No. But he was chopping Miro, uh, yeah, 
pretty pretty wildly here. Yeah, it just seems like that's yeah. what Daniel Bryan Brian Danielson lives for. Uh absolutely. You know, he he his chest is busted open in almost every single match. And also so are his competitors' chests. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah, I I don't know. It's really cool to see. And like I really loved the idea, like while we were watching it, I loved the idea of Miro winning this match because, you know, you have Danielson who recently was on you know wrestlemania making someone who totally. was not like booked very strongly in wwe looking look you know look very strong it's a cool story that's nuanced subtle Absolutely. and like only there Brian's if you're thinking first about loss it also yeah it would have propelled miro into like the like the absolute main event scene which would have been really cool but the the heel turn that Brian did uh, the next uh, next dynamite was was really cool. So oh my god, really yeah, flexing to... about being on WrestleMania and now he's just going to be realistically all dark order. And realistically, like you know, that's the guy that Hangman has to beat. It's not Miro. Miro has lost. He lost his TNT title to Sammy Guevara. Danielson's the one who's undefeated. So a rub from from that on Hangman. It's more is important be for Hangman to beat him, be the first person to beat him. And Miro already looks like a beast. They, whenever they inevitably allow like put the world title on Miro, you yeah. know that'll solidify him as like a total like main event threat. Um, but yeah, it's cool that like the they had analogous stories happening with like with the story they were telling with Mox destroying every person that he fought like in like you know yeah. three minutes, kind of going on an undefeated streak as well. Probably maybe defeating Danielson and the the uh finals yeah it's really hard to say what would have happened what would have happened yeah uh that that looking forward to that match in the future for sure um totally also great great ending to this match like miro reversed the labelle lock turns around man mounts danielson for a ground and pound danielson reverses into a triangle miro's gouging out brian's eyes and escapes and then i guess uh danielson eventually got the uh LaBelle Lock locked in, right, for the win? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was one of my other favorite matches of the night. Uh, Dude, three absolutely, like, we throw around the word great a lot on this program, but, like, three absolutely great matches in a row. I was, like, I was I was already pinching myself. Like, I was like, are they going to keep this up? And then, once again, three Matt Classics followed by a really cool kind of hardcore match. Uh, this was the, one of their, one of the two street fights of the night. Super Click, Young Bucks and Adam Cole versus Jurassic Express and Christian. So cool that like Christian has just been like slotted in with the Jurassic Express. Uh, it kind of feels like um, Orange Cassidy joining Chaos. Like it's just like Ultimate <laughs> Babyface joining Ultimate Babyface. Yes, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, but they're like completely different uh, aesthetically. But then they match somehow. It like works uh, within you know the story. Uh, yeah, I lo- totally. I loved Christian, and in this too, it's like Young Bucks and Adam Cole like. You know, it totally makes sense to see them within AEW ripping it up together. And same with Jurassic Express. And Christian is someone you didn't necessarily expect to see. Like if you were like, you know, predicting the future of like who is going to be aligned with who. Like Christian aligned with Jungle Boy is really cool. I really enjoy seeing them together. Every Like they were cutting promos on Rampage together uh, because they said that they were in the main event. Uh, And, you know, it's just such a cool pairing. Like and I said this on one of our last episodes, but I just love that everyone's allowed to have like friends outside of their faction. Like 
Absolutely. Like this yeah. pay-per-view. Christian doesn't have to become a dinosaur to, to tag right. these guys. He's not wearing, yeah, he's not in like a, yes, he's not a dinosaur. He's not wearing a dinosaur costume now because he's in Jurassic <laughs> Express. That Although be that would be great. Him versus Luchasaurus <laughs> for the control of the dinosaur mask. Um, that would be a pretty cool, like, once Jungle Boy is kind of like, uh, once Jungle Boy does become world champion, if, like, Luchas- they bring in someone else in Jurassic Express that's, like, maybe, like, a new luchador <laughs> or something that's a dinosaur to, like, tag with Luchasaurus. <laughs> uh, I kind of love that. I gotta say, too, uh, we we um, we were not the most excited when Christian came in. No. And his, his motto was, like, outwork everyone. And... He has delivered. Like, I'm not saying he's outworked everyone in the company, but, like, he has gone toe-to-toe with all these, like, young guys that we've been talking about. Like, your, like, Jungle Boys and your, you know, MJFs and stuff like that. Like, he he's delivered as good performances consistently as, like, any of these guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just Even just thinking in retrospect to the different matches he's had this year, like, beat Kenny Omega for the Impact title in an incredible match uh, on the first Rampage. Had a great yeah. match against Kenny uh, in the main event of All Out. Yeah, you know he's. I think more. I he has far exceeded what I thought. You know, he consider him he would like do. against another legacy guy this year, like Matt Hardy, who's kind of just like. I think his match quality is like as low as it's ever been. He the way he wrestles is the way Ishi walks. <laughs> <laughs> But then when Ishii wrestles, he becomes like Shingo. Like it's like that. I guess, I guess uh, Hardy is, has has had a lot, lot took a lot more of those big spots, like in the in the uh, TLC <laughs> days. I guess Christian wasn't doing a lot of huge. Dude, like, speaking drops of or le- like, like notes of like legends uh, within totally. wrestling, Nick Jackson was it Nick Jackson or Matt Jackson that did that flying elbow uh, to the outside through a table. I think it was, uh, it was Matt. It was Matt on Luchasaurus, right? Oh dude, my gosh, dude! That was looking amazing. exactly like Macho Man Randy Savage. Absolutely, and Christian does a New Jack dive. Dude, yeah. Speaking of, yeah, Christian's New Jack dive was crazy. Like that's like way like, I don't know. Yeah, just that was such a really cool moment. A lot of like really big spots in this. This felt it was like almost like um. Like, if there was an intermission, there should have been, like, how GCW shows have intermissions. Like, this felt like almost like the mid-card main event. Like, not that these yeah, people totally. are mid-card, but the middle of the card main event where it's like, okay, after this, there's going to be a 15-minute break. We're going to reset. And then, like, I don't think that totally. could be done well, on a pay-per-view. Well, you said it was also, like, an ECW pay-per-view Yes, event, that's what right? it felt like. It felt like a like a like the big main events that ECW used to do where they would have, like, you know, a tag match or, like, a six-man like huge match with just spot after spot after spot after spot, people crashing in, lots of stuff going on. And it's cool, you know, the um different things they've been setting up uh in AEW looking towards like twenty twenty two, like uh, you know, they have Adam Cole aligned with Bobby Fish, speaking of like people who are friends right now oh outside my gosh. of the faction. But like I like based off what happened on Rampage, definitely s- probably setting up uh kyle o'reilly coming in to reform red dragon and like you know feud with adam cole and the young bucks uh wait 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 so i don't know if you so you because you didn't watch rampage you don't know this but like at the end of rampage so it was adam cole and bobby fish 
really cool to see them. I wanted so badly to see Bobby Fish do his NXT taunt with while Adam Cole did Adam Cole baby. Um, but you know, did not happen. They were like, they like shook hands or whatever after Adam Cole did his taunt before the match against Jurassic Express in the main event of Rampage. The end of the match ends with Christian chasing Adam Cole and the Young Bucks with a chair up to the entranceway while Bobby Fish is still in the ring as the legal man tagged in. And then Jurassic Express wins because um, Adam Cole doesn't return to the ring. He watches Bobby Fish lose. Um and oh. he's with the young bucks up on the entranceway while Bobby Fish is getting like Bobby Fish gets put in the snare trap and taps and he's like looking at Adam Cole while that's happening and oh shit so and there's been so much here I thought it was going to be undisputed era I don't think so yeah because I, I but you think it's I don't even know what Red Dragon is what is Red Dragon you do. You just I don't think you remember from because we watched some of the old uh, Wrestle Kingdoms together with Tommy. Um, Red Dragon. <laughs> you do. You just don't know what you remember, Mark. You just don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> you've seen Red Dragon in tag matches. Uh, Red Dragon is Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly's tag team pre NXT. Like that's why they were aligned together in NXT because they were a tag team outside of it. Um, pre okay. undisputed. They, they also tagged together. Okay, so you think it's going to be. Young Bucks and Cole versus only two people? Is there like. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be that. I mean, there's multiples. This is like the next like multi layered story that's happening. But, you know, if all of the rumors are true and the like uh, sort of nods the two have, everyone's been doing to each other, Mount Rushmore is probably going to reform in the new year with Steen, Cole, and the Young Bucks. Then there's Red Dragon, which we we're talking about like great tag teams to fill out like that they have the best tag teams in the world. Oh my God. So like oh my you have red God. dragon plus whoever else they could elevate other people to align with red dragon. It doesn't necessarily need to be like something, you know, Oh, I was, I was so trying like, to figure out like what made the most sense. Like, so I think that ooh. to me, cause they'll kick Kenny out of the elite super click exists. And then Kevin Steen comes in Mount Rushmore reforms. Red dragon is, you know, reunited potentially sooner than later because kyle o'reilly's contract is out uh, is up soon um yeah january so who does who does uh kenny align with red dragon with, well kenny is going to take time off and then maybe come back and um, uh you know he's going to be out for like i think it said like six months um right so and thank god you know maybe by then covid will hopefully continue to improve and maybe ibushi will be healed by then too and golden lovers will reunite because that's like kenny's last long-term story that has been hinted at and since okada. the beginning well yeah i mean and okada but it's like, longer term than okada though i guess is not okada. there's not there isn't something to finish though there's just like continue right, the, the feud that story is finished like yes, you're, you're correct um, you're absolutely correct ibushi and omega still haven't had like um and like post everything else that's happened a huge clash because when it was going to happen i think they were i don't know what happened or why they reserved it but like when the story was like at its peak again uh back before mm-hmm. aew formed there was a triple threat with ibushi cody and omega for the world right. title at i think king of pro wrestling 2018 um and you know we didn't actually haven't got that singles match so anyways maybe they'll reunite and that'll eventually lead to like a clash, but I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's cool to think about all these different things that are happening 
and where everything is going in the new year. And, you know, who knows who else will line with Red Dragon if they're reunited, which it seems like they're going to be. I don't know. Yeah, as much as I love Undisputed Era, I think it makes sense to split them up in that way and, like, use... Yeah, totally. The pre-existing... I I don't think it makes sense to just, like, take stuff from WWE just because it was in WWE. And it worked. Even though they were a great faction. Like, Red Dragon precedes that. Like, seems like Adam Cola has more, like, a longer-term relationship with the Young Bucks than he does with Undisputed Era. Totally. So, yeah, well, and it's their it, own. It it's like their own sense. thing, also. Like, it's not. Yeah, like, yeah. like you said, it's not something that existed in WWE. So it's like, I I just want to talk about a couple more of the moves in this match. Uh, uh, after getting so far into the the lore, the lore of AEW. Yeah, the lore of AEW. There's a Tilt World DDT off the middle rope into a ladder from Christian on Nick Jackson. Yeah, that was such a sick that... move. Oh my god. Yeah. Panama Sunrise off the entrance way slash the Tron from adam cole every time those moves happen up on the entrance it's always like there's not they're not going on padding like that hurts every like those moves to me seem the most painful like totally even when it is not something that like that move is explosive but it's not like they're kind of sharing the impact so i think it like when you're watching it it's like it hurts both people equally so it's like i don't know it looks really cool but uh, it is also seems very painful to me. Oh my gosh, dude, the thumbtack knee that happened. In this I was going to say, speaking of painful, the BT trigger with the thumbtack knee pads that they all put on. Thank God Luchasaurus has got a mask. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And then Luchasaurus <laughs> did a shooting star press. I That was absolutely insane. Man, every time Luchasaurus hits like a big move like that, it's just like I pop like absolutely crazy. Yeah, he's got crazy like athleticism in a surprising way that I feel like sometimes you can forget if he doesn't pull it out. Like sometimes, you know, in his matches, the tag matches they sometimes have done, he'll do like a standing moonsault or something, but doesn't always do moves that are this huge, which I think is good. Uh, it's like a reserved for big moments. Totally. Next match after this one, Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo versus... The American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, and the Bastard, Pac. Man, this, any, like, I think you said it best, like, any combination of these four people would have been an incredible match. Like, everyone in this match is so talented, and they've been just having awesome matches lately. Yeah, it just felt like, and the way that it was, I feel like sometimes these kind of matches can seem too scattered and random, and, like, there's not, there's no um, stakes to them. But this felt right. just like like each person got their moments to do like really great stuff, and it felt like two like separate singles matches between each person at different times. Like we were given glimpses of that. It's like well, we're not booking all of these people in singles matches on this, but you'll get like glimpses of what's to come. I for a few see, but the thing is, I guess like Pac has had a lot of travel issues. Maybe he had an injury. He's the one person that I feel like they've been like cooling forever like every time he's on he delivers but he's always slotted into these matches where i don't know he's the one person one of the people in aew that feels like they're reserving in different ways and when they do use Mm. him they're reserving different ways that feel like like we're holding off on the big matches with him just wait and you'll see in like five years he'll he's been kept very like strong and yeah, I totally. He got the he got the win in this match, if I'm not mistaken, with a uh, with a um, black arrow. 
Yeah, he did. Um, he's very strong. Like, obviously, like he said, one of the best matches ever in AEW with Kenny, the Iron Man match. Uh, him versus Orange Cassidy was an also incredible pay-per-view match. Uh, we need, I think you said it, we need Malachi Black versus Pac. Uh, I want to see that Iron singles match. match probably maybe more than any other match in AEW. Uh, yeah, I guess it just feels sometimes like, like they maybe take like a little too long to get to some matches here and there. Not necessarily that they put off that they like tell too long of stories, but that it's like, just wait and you'll see in like a couple of years, this, that all four of these people will be at the top of the card where sometimes it just feels like, well, maybe they're just always going to be, I know Malachi and Andrade are new, but like, um, I don't know. In some in some ways, it feels that way. The the, the most well, interesting. Well, you know, they've been telling the the big stories. You know, they've been telling Kenny Omega and Hangman and stuff. Like totally. Asman. I think Pac will become like a like he probably will be a great challenger to Hangman for the for the title at some point, and they'll probably have a classic. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would say the most interesting thing about this match is the way that the the response and sort of overall direction of Cody's character. Uh, Ooh, crowd was not here for Cody in this match. They started booing before his music started, like just in anticipation of his music. They started booing, but when Arn's name got mentioned, and then they cheered. For Arn. They cheered. Yeah. Fuck you, Cody slash Cody sucks. Chance throughout this match, anytime Cody was like getting any offense, they were booing. Like the you know he stopped uh, Andrade from getting the pin. They booed. Like, uh, they really got to do something about this. And I know that Cody has been basically saying that he doesn't want to, you know, before he was like, we're not doing the EVP heel turn. Like, I'm not Triple H and stuff. But at this point, you're more like Vince. Is like, you're just going to, like, shove Roman Reigns down our throats, even though everyone's booing him. We don't want him as a, as a face. Like, what do you think? Like, I feel like uh, probably... Tony Khan's in like a in, a in a weird situation because like he probably knows deep down that like obviously you have to listen to the crowds because he's been doing that for everything else. They need to turn Cody heel, but like I th- I think Cody's genuinely not interested in it. Yes, I think uh, what you just said is one hundred percent true because based off of his response, <laughs> he's Tony Khan is someone obviously like everything in wrestling like that's being filmed and is set on a microphone has to be taken with like a grain of salt is an absolute truth or whatever. But Tony Khan is someone sure. who's very like, uh, I feel says is very open and honest about a lot of stuff. Um, sometimes maybe he booked an angle about the Suzuki incident. Right. Like, yes. So Res- like, like that's what in. I was going to say is like in his, um, the, the media scrum from full gear that he's asked about this exact thing. And his the response he gives is kind of um, he kind of evades the question and doesn't answer it completely. And to me, it feels like the person who the real person who is Cody does not want to be a heel. He wants to be a face. Tony Khan. Like Cody has very strong ideas about what he his yes. character and I think what like do. perpetually, you and I have been saying this is a long term. This is the longest term story where like. Cody is going to be a top heel and challenge Hangman because Hangman, like even I wrote, I mean, I've talked about this that I've wrote things. I still think this is going to happen because his whole thing is like, I'm not going to challenge for the AW world title. So it seems very obvious that like he has to do that at some point And it's going to be like the biggest heel turn. I, I guess, or maybe it's just like, 
I think for him, he thinks he's going to come out to, like, face a giant heel who nobody else can defeat. Like, they're going to have, like, a Vader who just, like, goes crazy and, like, wins the title and, like, Cody will have And he'll to, be like, the face, the triumphantly stops. Back on. Yes. But, I, that, but like, that's what he, in his fa- future booking, maybe right. But I think, like, and everyone else, you, I, and, like, you know, the entire internet is, like, just make him, he's a heel. Like... He he's, did a he did an America versus the UK, like angle in 2021. His he, entrance theme has very like literal pro like, America singing. Yes. He says wrestling he has more than one royal family. More than one royal family. He's the only one who comes out of the middle. I don't understand though, because in Ring of Honor, he was man. a great heel. Like, it's like he's such a good heel. Uh, if you think about this, like he and in New Japan, his his moment, like I think, like. Basically, he saw he was getting a little bit of heat, but he was like, oh, yeah, this is all part of, like, the Cody's Gone Hollywood story. Iron burned stuff on his lawn. I was like, I'm into this. Cody, you suck. But then he kind of, like, I think he tried to wrap it up in a bow the next week. He's like, don't forget who started this company. Right. You all like he me. kind of pulled no. the, Yeah. You remember you guys like me. And then he was like, we're done. We're, we're done here, right? Uh, something tells me he is, like, the most difficult person out of everyone to work with because – He's the only one who's been like so strategically kept away from like everything. His so-called friends, like he's not in being the elite anymore. Like he's not in. He's not a member of the elite at all. Not mentioned in terms, and they're so great about like, like he said, mentioning people can have friends without being in factions. Right. Yes. Like to all the way to the point of like referencing Bobby Fish and Adam Cole being in a faction in NXT, like. You know, they yeah. they do lots of different things like that, except yet this is he's the only person that they don't reference. Like, yeah, how it's weird. It's just all weird and confusing. Yeah. Like, why isn't he ever mentioned within the whole super elite like story of the last year with Kenny Omega? And I think he's the, the like, I don't know if all the VPs have had a falling out because obviously Kenny and the Young Bucks haven't. But I think like certain of the EVPs have had a falling out. I think Kenny has had a falling out with with them. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Cody. Cody is at a falling out. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll know in the future when someone writes a tell-all book in like 10 years. Um Art Anderson spilling <laughs> br- spilling Dude, braids all speaking across of the book. Anderson, him uh taking down the tablet andrade's tablet guy made me want to see like a stooge gauntlet like yes look, absolutely like the first the opening like 20 minutes of rampage is arn anderson taking on like nakazawa cutler it should be like a battle tablet royal. guy yes cutler's the first one to come out um it's yeah it's basically yeah, ro- like, like a royal uh, rumble not a battle royal yes like a no, like a battle royal. They all. Oh yeah. Okay. It could be either. I think. I just think Arn standing in the, in the ring. ring. Oh. If you think, think they, they all should be, be around him. He... Well, it's like in that match in like Super Smash Brothers where you have to beat up all the polygons. They're just like teleport to the ring. There's always like three of them, and you just like oh yeah, them away with like a. And he spine busters bat. each one to oblivion. Yeah, he just spine busts them, and they just fly away. Every time he spine busts them, they just fly into the in the stratosphere. Um, I we, we need love this. that analogy. That's great that but yeah i mean this this match overall i feel like to me i really loved just because we got to see more malachi more andrade and more pack three people who are like personally 
probably so who I'm most invested in specifically Malachi as a fan, you know, is one of my favorite, probably my favorite wrestler. Like, yeah, I think the guy with my favorite moves right now is Andrade. Um, he does this tornado tope constantly where he, he jumps over the top rope, like out of the ring, but like does like a corkscrew. Spin, oh basically. yeah. That's so sick. Absolutely wild. And it's also his pendulum DDT on the apron is one of my favorite transition moves. There's the a great tag team sure. co-op between Cody and pack where Cody has a figure four locked in and then packed as a four fifty splash. Okay, but it's not actually teamwork because Cody's right next to the ropes but won't tag Pac, and then Pac has to basically tag himself in. Mm. So there's some, like, heat So it's kind of, like, forced an... teamwork? Yeah, forced teamwork. And uh, Cody even gets, like I said, gets booed for breaking up Malachi pinning Pac, and everyone wants Pac to not to lose, but, like, they still boo Cody because he's, like, <laughs> doing stuff. They're like, Bo, stop doing stuff, Cody! Basically, yeah. Um, Huge, huge fucking boot from Malachi since Cody into the front row. Huge belly-to-belly from Pac to Andrade into the corner. And Black Arrow from Pac for the win. FTR Um, was involved at the end there, which was kind of weird. That was very weird. He just, they just kind of came out and, like, punched Pac a few times and then left. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we get it. You don't like each other. But you know what? If it leads to, like, Pac fighting FTR, like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm all for it. Hell yeah. I can't believe the rest like the wrestlers we're talking about. Like FTR, Pac, Andrade, Malachi. Undisputed Black. era. Undisputed era, slash Red Dragon, um, you know, Christian, like Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryanson, as some would say. Miro. <laughs> like this is the Cream this of the Crop. Is the, the roster. Absolutely incredible. Uh speaking of Cream of the Crop. Next match, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Ty Conti. Ty Conti, as soon as she came into AEW, has been, like, my favorite. And I've been looking forward to, like, uh, her eventually, like, facing off for the for the title on a pay-per-view. Uh, it did not disappoint. Um, she came in Ty with the look doing... of a champion. That battle braid and, like, war paint uh, combo. Oh, yeah. Such a sick look. Like, she looks so like someone that will win the world title. Oh yeah, with that she's gear. like she's a she's a star. Like she's absolutely a star, and it has not taken her a long time. Like she's ba- barely been in the company like a year, and has already kind of like established herself as part of the top of the division. Um, yeah, she's she was hitting some Suzuki moves. She was hanging out with Suzuki on Dynamite. Oh my god, she was I love that so Suzuki much. Suzuki moves, yeah. cross arm breaker in the, over the ropes. Such a sick Suzuki move. Goes for the Gotch style pile driver at one point, doesn't get it, but then finally does get it later on. Man, so sick. Britt Baker hitting sick fisherman's neck breakers. Um, air raid crashes on the apron. Yeah, this is this is so sick. Uh, the, the battle of the kicks between the thrust kick from Baker versus the pump kick from Ty. Yeah, he, Ty trying to hit what, to wrench in the cross arm breaker on the ropes was so sick. I love that uh, that move from Suzuki and ZSJ. It's like one of my favorite visual moves because it's always so confusing as to how they somehow out of nowhere are just wrenching that in like it like makes absolutely there's like no like you know like there isn't somehow they're able to do that without there seeming like there's cooperation between everybody involved and like that like ty almost got it locked in in the same way where it isn't just like okay we're gonna walk over the ropes now and i'll put my arm through the rope like they like she had the element of surprise that I feel like makes that move so awesome. Um, and oh. yeah, it's so cool that she's like, 
yeah, hanging out with all of these great like Japanese legends. Her and posting uh, selfies with Suzuki and uh, more recently Tomohiro Ishii, who ripped it up on Dynamite. Yes. Cannot believe that we witnessed that. Uh, and you know, th- I just I just love the Brazilian jiu-jitsu energy that Ty brings. It's to really Brazil. cool. Like, nobody yeah. fights exactly like her. Nobody kicks exactly like her. And she's just like a real athlete. Yes. Yeah. She feels it's another match that felt like what we anticipate AEW to be. There is this big character, classic wrestling yes. character that is Britt Baker versus someone who's bringing this very real martial arts expertise into the match. Uh, and, you know, the ending was the only part of this match that I felt was like kind of strange. Yeah, it was a little, little flat. Because Ty hit like every move that is in her arsenal of like, yeah, that has been D- established with an D- AEW D- release. Uh, yeah. Yeah. DD Ty. Uh, and just, KO. and just after that, yeah, both of those, she hits both of those, and is, there's a lot of momentum behind her, but then out of nowhere, Britt Baker gets a quick roll-up for the win. Just felt a little... I think it's, like, a little flat. Keeping Ty strong, I think, um, kind of makes it feel like the feud's not over. You know, not not every match on a pay-per-view is, is the, the button match of the feud. Like, some right. of the feuds end, and some of the feuds are extended. Like, you know, FTR and the Lucha Bros is extended. A lot of these are extended, whereas I think something like CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston is done. Oh my god. Dude, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston could not have been more perfect. And speaking of it crowd response... It cannot be like... overstated how over Eddie Kingston is. <laughs> he could do anything. Like, he In this he... match, he poked CM Punk in yes. the eyes, crowd roars, wipes CM Punk's blood all over his face, crowd's going insane, chanting Eddie. Fighting dirty, not following wrestling etiquette. Basically, he's fucking around... And finding out. And he's finding out that he can get away with it. Anything. The crowd loves him. And and CM Punk is like, if we not CM mistaken, Punk. had the, yeah. biggest, the biggest ever pop in like AEW history on his upon his debut. And basically just walks out to the ring to people cheering to him. Has been doing just like the CM Punk American tour. Just him <laughs> going collecting cheers from everybody. And Eddie Kingston's so over that like he can do anything to Punk. He can like hit him in the balls and they're just like, Eddie, Eddie unreal yeah it's like he is to both wow. aew's ability to position people 100 percent, and also just how great eddie kingston is as a performer as a person like he's someone that connects and it feels like he's going to get like the mankind like win of the world title someday i i think like it makes sense i, I never would have thought it i never would have thought it before but like he like, he has the potential to be as big as, like, Mox was when he was doing it. Yeah. And how, like, thinking of all of the matches Kingston has had over the last year, when has the the match not delivered? Like, the last pay-per-view, Kingston versus Miro, was one of the best matches on the pay-per-view. He main-evented totally. last year's uh, full gear with Kingston and with or with Mox. Like, every time... Oh, my gosh. And, dude, the beginning of this match was absolutely incredible <laughs> the wind up and like chop on punk that just drops punk straight to the ground before i think even before the bell rang before the bell rang cor- correct yes you, you said that was maybe the best start to any match ever <laughs> yeah he just absolutely clobbers him like i i love how like everyone like like we've been saying you know like someone like darby who is kind of like uh, a super junior 
uh, or or kind of like you know maybe more of a spot fest wrestler jumps off bridges and stuff also has such a such a sick basis for wrestling so Eddie Kingston is like you know a real brawler type type wrestler but he also has like mid nineties AJPW like suplexes that he busts out all the time he has that kind of like foundation yeah it's like a someone who was a street like getting into real street fights like within the universe of Escape from New York. While also discovering, <laughs> while a, also going to Japan and becoming like a maybe just while also going to a v- video rental store in the Lower East Side <laughs> and renting all Japan tapes and studying the moves of the four pillars of all Japan. Did he not like taking that to the streets? There? Did he not like fight in Japan? Not to my knowledge. Oh, he did not. I think it's just oh, okay. it's wow. it, it, uh, his influence. Yeah. Yeah, because my in my memory, he's just had a, like really extensive independent experience in the states, like you know, in North America, basically. The roots are in like CZW, and it's just been some and like you know the story of this match, Ring of Honor. Well, at the very least, I love his explosive suplexes, his <laughs> wrenching suplexes, and his AJW influence. Absolutely, yeah. This match was I could have watched this perpetually, like. Just the two of them going back and forth. Eddie fighting dirty and getting cheers against CM Punk. Like, I feel like it can't be overstated how insane this is. It's not like he's fighting someone it's that people... Wild. It's not like he's fighting MJF where people are, like, finally, 100%. like, you're, like MJF is getting beat up in the way he deserves to get beat up. Like uh, He's fighting the most... But, I mean, they have been positioning Punk a little bit, like, you know, in that story on Dynamite, him just being, like, you know, calling Eddie a bum. Yeah, he was like positioned as, like, the heel in this match, for sure. But it's still but pretty still incredible wild. that he's able yeah. to do this. And then, yeah, you know, Punk wins uh, with two go-to-sleeps. And... Also, I just wanted to mention the second uh, Eddie Guerrero 3 oh, right. of the night yes. from Punk. Yeah, that was a that was a great moment. I lo- I loved Punk's like Eddie shake, like the shimmy that Eddie does. Uh, totally. The way that Punk did it was great. Eddie calls for the GTS, but Punk actually hits it. Right. Um, yeah. And then hits it a second time, like you said, and uh, wins. I, I think very much the honeymoon is over for CM Punk. I think maybe the CM Punk uh, love tour is coming to an end soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess it's going to be extended a bit with Danielson maybe being heel against Hangman, and then uh, Punk. Starting a feud with MJF. Dude, the roster is so fucking deep. Like, it they could have been anybody they else. They can shuffle yeah. whole, well, they could shuffle whole people off. Like, they've built a roster where, like, three top stars could easily, you know, go away. Like, Hangman can go watch his baby being born. Moxley can go to rehab. Like, uh, Kenny can take time off for injury. And, like, the, the, the pay per view cards will not suffer. Like, they will still be great because they have such a deep, incredible roster. Um, yeah, this pay-per-view was, was booked impeccably. Every match pretty much has, was, uh, a classic, you know, uh, coming up to this. And then, you know, we had the Minneapolis street fight between American top team and men of the year versus the inner circle. And as much as I like, didn't want to like this, it was just like a banger and a perfect, like the right kind of cooler match. Um, again, it's like three work rate classics, street fight. Three work rate classics, another street fight. Um, like you said, I think Proud and Powerful really carried a lot of the great spots in this match. But also, Sammy Guevara is like totally just so amazing. Like he's one, he's like such a great high flyer. Like he needs to be put into the conversation of great high flyers uh, in wrestling and in AEW right now for sure. 
Yeah, it makes sense that he was in that first ever AEW match, like the first Dynamite match. It's cool that uh, from there, he now is the TNT champion and consistently just delivers over and over and over again. I feel like he and Piet Proud and Powerful absolutely carried this match. It just felt like it was great. It was the right kind of chaos. The story leading yeah. up to this, I felt like for me, like is absolutely terrible. Like I really did not like it at all. <laughs> felt like it was very. I like, get it that Lambert is like an idiot. He's gonna get his comeuppance, but it's weird to get it from Jericho. And also, I don't know him just being just being retrograde on television while there's like so many wrestlers. Like you kind of you really showed me the the way on this. There's so many wrestlers like that were not getting featured over this kind of garbage. Right. Like yeah, just the in the promo package before this match it's so like you mentioned earlier that i said that this was a matchbook for the boomers and like the promo package just features jericho and lambert it doesn't feature any of the other people in it either like it, it mostly is just positioning old yeah, man I versus really old like man and originally this... of the year got the got the short shrift in this whole thing like his juniors dos santos look cool kind of look like sagat as people mentioned online dude Prime yeah he look cool, they... look cool but like Men of the Year didn't look that cool. Yeah, Junior Dos Santos is like so, like yeah that he that he looked great and does have a really cool look. Yeah, it looks like he could play uh, Sagat in a Street Fighter film. Uh, I think they need to get us just like a Street Fighter tournament where everybody on the AW roster like. Oh plays my one gosh, of the that is that would be such a fun. That should happen on the Chris Jericho cruise. That would be a great like. <laughs> uh yeah like street fighter like round robin tournament single elimination each one plays a different character but yeah just like street fighter cross rock and rager at sea hell yeah just the antiquated language used in the like pat like the the pre lead up to this was an absolute bummer from a promotion that is was originally built on the idea of being like an inclusive place that was going to challenge sort of the status quo of wrestling. This felt like they gave us more of the same of 20 years ago in terms of the promos and the overall vibe of this feud. You know, you're positioning this guy. Dan felt like Lambert. Jericho had a lot of creative control in this one. I'm sure. Yeah. It's just like you're positioning this old guy, Dan Lambert saying AEW sucks. And you know, now that you're mentioning that it's like these street fights book and book ending each other, like as much I love, I absolutely loved the super click jungle, uh, jungle boy, Jurassic Express street fight. But it's like almost like in seeing these two on the same card, it's like maybe they should have just had Jurassic Express and Christian beat American top team. Christian would have been a better like spokesperson alongside jungle boy. Oh my boy. God. Like totally. In this yes, feud, because like, Marco Stunt is in, is in right, like having him in that. So like, totally. Lambert comes out, and he's like, "Your soy boys can never beat my American top team," and then probably not Men of the Year because I don't understand how Men of the Year fit into this model because they are kind of like soy boys <laughs> in, in a sense, like especially Ethan Page. So I don't get how why they're aligned with Lambert. Like it almost feels like Lambert should have like honestly like someone like Jake Hager or something like that, you know. Yes, Jericho and Hager seem more closely aligned to Lambert than <laughs> Ethan Page, who has a toy vlog. Like you know, which it's cool totally. that Ethan Page has a toy vlog, and I watch yeah, it every I mean, now and then. I'm, but I'm like, into shit like that, but Dan <laughs> yeah, Lambert is not. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but anyway, that being said, I don't want to say too much really about this point. match apart from the fact that like PNP and Sammy were really stand out, and there were a few moments throughout that were great, like the like <laughs> uh, the um, the Prince moment within this dude match. from the start of this minneapolis street fight i was like i hope the like 
like a hologram of Prince like oh my fights gosh. at some point. But yeah, like purple rain they got chant. passed. At, they got past. Yeah, purple rain. Uh, that's the thing. I was like, this pay per view is so good that in the middle of this retrograde story, in the middle of this like boomer street fight, <laughs> we have a purple rain chant. Like I was like, this is this is my pay per view. Yeah, and you know the the uh, Eddie tribute in this match was great too with. Uh, Jericho hitting a frog splash and you know as much as I didn't like this feud at all I enjoyed the match and you know the visual uh, apart from the prince visual also the Jericho frog splashing Dan Lambert's like that is like sports entertainment for sure and you know it was enjoyable it was funny like I don't know and and just for good measure tonight we also had a, a debut uh, oh yeah right that was uh, a great uh, addition Jay lethal yeah Jay lethal like not not like a, a a wild moment like you know daniel bryan you know and adam cole debuting but as far as like kind of like somebody coming who can bring something different to the roster and i'm glad we recorded this now because we have the hindsight of having actually seen sammy guevara versus Jay lethal for the tnt title on dynamite which was like one of the best dynamite main events uh, this year for sure yeah speaking of how good sammy is that was like an instant classic like defense Man, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, the tnt that sammy's out of this feud so he can start defending the tnt title again because he was just kind of like in the background for a lot of this feud yeah absolutely so cool that jay lethal is all elite that he's not just kind of coming in for a match but he's like signed like his energy there's just been some such cool additions to the roster lately like i i'm always going on about bobby fish but like i love bobby fish's panther-like offense i love him like constantly people are going up to the top rope and he's just kicking the legs from under them like he's 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 a really great signing yeah not someone that like i personally was very excited about but have very much enjoyed we really like these like mma influenced kind of wrestlers like these strike based grapple based uh wrestlers are, are are very appealing um but yeah, and then the the final match of the night, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page, uh, the story they've been telling for three years. Um, we've recently learned that Kenny Omega, you know, has been suffering a lot of injuries, nursing a lot of injuries over the last year, including vertigo, which is like one of the worst things that like <laughs> can happen to you. Basically, yeah, the world like is it's debilitating in regular life. Like if you're just sitting at your De- desk, debilitating working. just like. Absolutely. The idea of like putting on great matches. So I really think we have to like reevaluate the, the Kenny Omega mega title reign based on that. Like the fact that he's like been putting out like basically we've been mad that he's been putting out like 4.25 star matches <laughs> instead of five star matches for the last year. Like him versus Christian was great, but like it wasn't like Okada versus Omega. You know what I mean? So I guess um, for me personally, I kind of was getting at this in the four man Andrade pack uh malachi cody match i feel like aew and this is true also for like seeing qt marshall versus punk or like the 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 response that tony khan usually gives and that people on the internet usually give too is that they're reserving these different matches for the future for big moments and you can't just blow everything all at once up front which i think is very true but i think in doing that we have been like We've missed. I feel like we've missed out on some matches that could be happening that haven't happened yet. Like I think 
Hold when it. they were at like the height of their kind of like like Kenny Omega's heel reign, like yes, he he has suffering vertigo, a lot of like, um, yeah, just a lot of. Uh, I've watched I watched him get worked over by a chiropractor for like forty minutes with like a hammer and stuff, and uh... <laughs> that was such a funny then... like text to get, bro. I'm watching this chiropractor. <laughs> uh, I watched Kenny Omega get worked over by a chiropractor. Here's the link. Um... <laughs> Very interesting Official, to hear him talk like, about his stuff and uh evolution man, into being I, an adult, like no longer faces of death, watching uh <laughs> not downloading that on Napster anymore. I'm watching Kenny Omega on YouTube get worked over by a chiropractor. Uh yeah, I feel like uh this the the title reign of Kenny Omega, I think that to me was uh, there were moments missing in that way where like if he was injured he could work with some of these people that have been reserving like we've not seen kenny omega face a lot of people and i think like some of it who's something stuck in your craw right now who did you want to see kenny omega fight a lot of people i want to see kenny omega versus malachi black i want to see a rematch a one-on-one rematch of pack and kenny omega kenny omega versus uh darby allen you know, there are a lot of people that he's not fought that uh, I think would be really fun to see. And some of the people he, yeah. like you, you mentioned, he's fought triple threats. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I think uh, they, they've, they've been doing more traditional heel versus face storylines for most of the matches than maybe we expected from AW. Because, like, New Japan, you know, they book stories like that, but they also have experiences like the G1 where, like, people will just fight each other. And there haven't been that many, like, it seems like if they were if they were really gonna go on that like um, the model of like the wins and losses and like right. the rankings that sometimes we would just get matches that were just not heel versus face dynamics, right? Yeah, we would just be like, oh, Mal- Malachi's been crushing, so he's gonna fight Kenny Omega. Exactly, that's exactly what I am getting at. I just feel like we we and the I think the the booking reason or justification is probably that they don't want someone like Darby to lose to Kenny Omega, and also. Like you just said, I think they've just been in like different stories though. Like as you know, that's that too. As far, I guess um, so. But I, yeah, you're you're totally right about the, the 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 pack one. I agree with that completely. They had like one of the best matches ever in AEW that like went to like a. Did it go to a draw? Yeah. The well, no, Kenny won the Iron Man match. It did, and then like okay. it was like restarted. I think because of right. um sudden death. Like a chair was. I don't know. Yeah, Kenny won that match. Uh, the only draw that happened was with Danielson. But anyway, speaking of like compelling stories coming to a conclusion, Hanger winning the AEW World Title in one of Kenny's greatest matches in AEW thus far. I would say one of his most standout singles matches. I think we have to like. I think it's probably his best singles match. I think so, for both of them, like two, like oh. one of the best Kenny Omega matches. I would say. Yeah, this just absolute classic match. Um, this could have been a New Japan wrestling main game. event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. felt like a, it did. Yeah, this and like true it, with his injuries and just in general, this is not the kind of match you can just have every week on TV. It's not a match you can have like really realistically, you know, just for a lot of reasons on TV. In terms, Kenny of was Ken, and, Kenny was leaving it in the in the, in the ring on this one yes. for sure. And yeah, you know he Kenny has such a way of like. I don't know, innovating within his matches where he does like moves that are new. He did a springboard like he. Okay, so Hanger was on the top rope. Right. 
Kenny was on the apron and then did like a springboard Liger bomb onto Hanger, who was on the on the top turnbuckle. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, that the match became completely unhinged at that moment. And then from then on, just like, you know, huge release German suplex from Hangman. Uh, Tiger that, that released German from Hanger crowd is cheering Kenny, like completely over and he like landed on his face oh yeah over and onto <laughs> his face um, yeah yeah Tiger Driver 98 crowds cheering on Hangman like Hangman's been busted open hard way by one of these moves I don't know what it was the avalanche blockbuster from from Hanger Jesus Christ and then a flying lariat off the ring post through the table on Kenny uh it looked like a rough landing on his knee oh my gosh yeah and then you know towards the end uh, the ref gets knocked out and Hangman hits a dead eye and gets a clear like three count there basically and Aubrey runs out to count it but doesn't lock it in. Kenny Shivani oh wistfully. <laughs> yeah. Oh what drama. <laughs> yeah, and just like the I mean Kenny both of them were probably truly drained, but like you know, some of them hard like... strikes and knees on Hangman's already busted forehead. Goes he tries to go with attempt, power bomb. But can't yeah. get Hanger up. They just lay in the position completely gassed. And then eventually, Hanger hits an inside-out lariat. And then hits a fucking one-winged angel on Kenny. Holy shit. Buckshot lariat to the back. Buckshot lariat to the front. Before he hits the second buckshot, young bucks are at ringside. You think that they're going to like ruin this fucking moment? Just give him the nod. They just, they just give him the nod. And Hanger... Hangman wins. AEW World Champion, AEW's longest story from day one. Concluded. Uh, Dark Dark Order, Standing Tall, like that story, kind of like them losing Brody Lee and having Hangman as kind of a reluctant leader and them like a surrogate. Yeah. Surrogate older brothers and yeah, them always believing in him when he didn't believe in himself, him finally winning. I've loved their involvement in this too. Like all the way back to like the big where he like was going to get a title shot, but then the elite one, uh, that like five man, like a 10 man match and the intro with hangman wearing like a purple tassel costume and like not all cowboys wear hats like that whole, like <laughs> leading up to this, like, totally oh, so such perfect storytelling. And remember like how shitty dark order was when they first, like existed they Weed. were like a very serious yes. faction they like the, the 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 costumes for the um i can't remember what they were called like the spookies or whatever they they were really crappy Maybe even evil uno creepers. looks creepers yeah um evil you know, uno and his human creepers. throne <laughs> the, the join the dark order videos that were really really serious Dude, yeah it's well documented were, that i watched rhea were... ripley won the win the women's title against Shayna baszler while you watched brandon cutler get his tooth pulled out by, by dark order by the by dark order with that was the end of AEW, like for their first like not first full year but first like calendar year ending was that moment which yeah, totally from then was, on dark order has been awesome we were in the that was basically the pilot of yeah. AEW at that point yeah, yeah. To see to see the dark gotta order, watch season two and three. To see well, to see the dark order and like lose Brody, gain Hangman. To see Hangman lose everything, gain back self esteem, win the title. This is this is this is what we this is what we watch wrestling for. Yeah, just incredible long term stories like that are like act like well written television shows. 
like an HBO series is, or something. I think this is the finale. Like this is the season finale of of season three. This has been a three season build. I would say. I would agree with that. It seems about correct. And yeah, now let's bring us bring it on. Danielson versus Hangman. Sure, we're gonna get a lot of other awesome match. Like Hangman's gonna have like a such a sick reign. I I imagine it being like his run in the G one in twenty eighteen, where like, I feel like that's when people were like, dude, Hangman Page, is it? Like this dude's awesome. And he's gonna be a he's gonna be a big star too. I think he's gonna he has huge crossover appeal. I could see him on like talk shows and stuff. Oh, absolutely, dude. Yeah, anxious millennial cowboy. Like that's all they have to say. Like a talk show host has to say, and then he can just yeah. go. He's got his drink. He's basically Julian from <laughs> Trailer Park Boys. Like he always has his like rum and coke. Uh, AW it just keeps getting better and better. They're in top form. I think this is their best pay per view. I think it's the best pay per view I've ever seen. Sorry, WrestleMania seventeen. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> For me, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, ECW one night stand one, full gear twenty twenty one. Yeah, I um not as huge a fan of One Night Stand, but I definitely have to agree with you about that Wrestle Kingdom. That was great. Um, I gotta say though, usually year after year, like a G one basically feels like a month long pay per view with just incredible matches that you cannot wait to kind of get to watch. Um, this year, a little bit more scattershot. A lot of people were missing off of this. They lost Naito very early on in the tournament. Ibushi's injured at the end. Yeah, no Osprey, no Jay White. Jay White. Um, so they were kind of going in with uh, not full guns blazing. Having said that, there were still like at least I would say a dozen like great to excellent matches that came out of this. Um, with some I like think... very clear like MVPs for us specifically, like Zack Saber Jr. Without a doubt. Zack Saber Jr. ruled the tournament. 100%. Like ruled the tournament. I, I, he would have been my choice to like win at least the block. Um, but I, I still think the story they had was was really great. Um, the 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 A blo- or the B block finale between Okada and Jeff Cobb. Um, to me, that could have been like the finale of of the tournament. Yeah, you um, said that it, that felt like the true finals because we watched that and then the finals right after it, which Ibushi right. sadly gets hurt and immediately. That that was a very like, I mean it's very real, but very like, I don't know. It was a hard, a scary, and hard thing to watch because you see like Shingo and Okada both looking confused and kind of like Okada concerned, so like, like devastated, sad, concerned, like just yeah. He like he like Okada. I've never seen that look on his face before. He was just like not like this. Yeah, like totally. This. And so, but and so prior to that, Okada Jeff Cobb that match was absolutely Man. incredible. Cobb ripped like, this tournament up, dude. Cobb uh, to me the, the the like the winner of this tournament is Jeff Cobb. Like yes. Okada won the tournament, but he's already won the tournament before. Kota got to the finals uh 3 years but didn't complete the 3 feet and also got injured. Jeff Cobb got to the finals, went on an 8 win streak. Basically looked like Vader in Totally. On, yeah. on, in that in that final against Okada. Um, very, very like convincingly could have won that match against Okada. Like I think Jeff Cobb comes out of this tournament as the biggest winner um, overall. Whereas like Shingo, like you know, had tapped out to Zack Saber Jr. Zack Saber Jr. didn't make it to the finals. You know, it's obviously a feather in Okada's cap. He's won it three times. He's not the first to win it three times, I don't believe. But I think in modern New Japan, he is. Yeah, like, well, and, like, a lot of those people you're mentioning, like Okada, Ibushi, Naito, 
Tanahashi, they're all like established as like the guys anyways. So like just like, you know, the G1, like we said in the past, is such a great opportunity for people who haven't to, to had, elevate. Yeah. It's like their without, opportunity without to needing a storyline break out. Like it pushed Lance Archer all the way to, you know, the U S title to a contract with AEW, uh, his performance back in the 2018 G one, I believe maybe 2019 G one. Um, and you know, this Zack Sabre jr. Though is someone that I feel like is always in that realm of like almost main event, but not totally like to me. I mean, he's one of my fa- been one of my favorite parts of new Japan since I started watching it. Totally. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he like the fact that he's not totally in the, like the main event conversation storylines is because he's oftentimes been in the rev pro slotted as the rev pro champion, like the, um, sure. he's always had that belt and sort of is in the, like, like the, uh, sort of never open weight level of like defending that against like Sonata or, you know, whoever. Um, and, but yeah, this, it's so clear that they just should pull the trigger. Like, Oh that man, promo the windy man is like... ready to ascend. Like he's Jay White <laughs> level. Like he should be may have ended Russell Kingdom. Dude, all yes, of his but... nicknames. Like he needs to be on AEW so they could do all of the lower thirds with his like forty five different <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> the long mover I... comes to AEW. Absolutely. There is um. So we, I have a I have a, 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 our top five highest yeah. rated matches of the tournament. Hit me with them. Um. So highest rated match: Shingo Takagi versus. Tomohiro Ishii from night one, 4.75 stars from us. Um, and then the rest of them are tied. So we have night five, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Koto Ibushi. Night nine, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tomohiro Ishii. Also in night nine, Shingo Takagi again versus Koto Ibushi. And night 18, Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb. Those are all of our A slash A plus matches. Um, you can see that both that all of these people appear twice. Takagi, Ishii, Zack Sabre Jr., Kota Ibushi, uh, and then one appearance each for Cobb and, and Okada. So those would, I think, constitute our MVPs of the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. I also want to shout out uh, Kenta, though, who had a lot of really excellent matches. Yeah. Yeah, he, he delivers. He's, he always works really well with whatever they slot him in. Um, yeah, he's he's very, like... I don't know, especially like seeing him in AEW this year too. He's he's so adaptable, even though he has such a specific style. Yeah, uh, Very yeah, true. it's just cool to see how he slots in in different ways. And like, oh, it hasn't like, ascended to the uh, to the to the uh, Mount Rushmore of uh, NJPW as Chris Charlton put him in <laughs> the top four yeah. ever of NJPW. Hasn't quite ascended there so. yet, but no. I, I he's yeah he's firmly like upper mid card. Uh, at the yes, moment and i absolutely. think eventually will be a main eventer in the same way that like i think saber they should pull the trigger on him eventually that will be kenta i i strongly believe that yeah and you know now coming off of this there are a lot of different things that they can do at wrestle kingdom nights one through three i feel like probably they should have just done wrestle kingdom night one and then night two could be their like you know their noah crossover the noah crossover match uh, uh event which i think that's awesome and it's really cool that they're it's, it was cool reading that article that Thomas sent us where um, they're, the different wrestlers are talking about um, who they'd like to fight. Like, Sonata obviously wants to fight Mudo. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, that uh, seems really cool. The screenshot I sent you of Okada talking about it? 
I sent it to you uh, and Tom, so you might have missed it. I think he, he was just like, whatever, these guys are not on my level. He's Yeah, he said something like, it would be like if the local gym decided to have a crossover show with us. <laughs> so he's going heel on this crossover for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Like he said, like something like, I don't think anything, like, what do you think? The question was, what do you think of this event? And he's like, I don't think anything of it. It's like if the local gym fought us, had a fight with us. Okay. Hit me again with what the main events of Rust Kingdom Knights 1 and 2 are again. I am not positive. It's one, it's not 100% set in stone yet. As far as I know, no, but you, you, but you said, I think you what said... it's going to be, I, I, I think it's set in stone. Maybe uh, it's going to be. I believe on night one will be Okada versus Shingo. I think that is set in stone. Yes, because Okada defended, I believe defended his briefcase one, and or like title and one. Love that Okada's carrying the old title too, dude. That title looks so good. Like I can't believe they retired that. It's, they better just bring it back. Like it's okay. You can let, bring yeah, it back. Let Okada we're, we're okay win, with it. We're, we're all like we're all okay with it. Just change the we're name all... on it to World instead of Heavyweight. Uh, we're, we're all okay with it. We don't even care. Like call it. Don't even call it the world. It's cool. Like, Put duct tape on it like it's the hardcore title from WWE and let it be the world title. We're all okay with forgetting that that happened. Like, I, th- I talked to everybody. Everybody's cool with it. <laughs> so based off of what's been happening, or not, well, yeah, Shingo versus Okada night one, and then the winner of night one goes on to night two. Night two, that's and it's kind of been set up. Uh, Osprey, Osprey and Okada had like a face-off at one of the uh, U.S. Uh, shows that okada was on the one i believe it was the one where okada faced uh is he buddy matthews now is that his name um formerly buddy murphy, buddy murphy? uh oh my God. yeah the, i believe oh that God. show he confront okada and osprey confront each other osprey because he's osprey has been claiming that he's the true world champion still cause, and he has like the a replica belt um oh my God. so night two will be one of them versus osprey probably okada just based off of that but you know I'm okay with this. I think I think Shingo has had a great run. He won the title. He wasn't supposed to. He's established as like a big guy. Okada's back. The big cheese. The <laughs> boss is back. Uh, you know, and love and that the boss is back. Yeah, totally. The boss is back, and now and then Osprey can come back from his injury that could have been like career ending to beat Okada and establish himself. Because like I think like. Shingo was like he's a great champion and he will win again, but I think he was a transitionary champion at that yeah, point. Yeah, totally. Okada's taking it off of him for Osprey to win it back and be like, "Yes, I am the true world champion." That's at least the story I hope they're telling. Yeah, that sounds like a great direction. I also think like it's been long enough. Okada's like cooled off long enough. Like I think he, it'd be cool to see Okada have a title reign again too. But I agree. I like that story that you just set out where Osprey wins on night two. Um, kind of building him up in that way anyways like with his new faction and then they could get to the stories that they were going to get to this year next year Um, yeah also just want to mention that uh, Eddie Kingston has just been announced for NJPW Nemesis he has? December 9th in Los Angeles yeah oh my god hell yeah I wonder who he's he gonna was... fight I yeah I don't know if it's been uh, announced yet that that is some great breaking news. Uh, yep. Eddie Kingston in a New Japan ring. What a world. His his next AEW match is going to be against Daniel Garcia on Dynamite. So oh, dude, right. I loved that uh, promo at the end where he's like, 
frustrated and says, can someone, can I do cut a promo without being interrupted or something like that? Like <laughs> really frustrated. Couple of other cool matches that are happening on uh, Nemesis: Jay White versus Christopher Daniels. Oh, that's cool. Could, yeah, could be really right. Fun. I saw Daniels was announced for that show, but I didn't know who was going to be fighting. That'll be cool. Yeah, Alex Zane versus Aria Davari. Hell yeah, that should be really fun. Aria Davari had a really sick showing on AEW recently. Right, and right. also uh, Brody King is fighting against someone I don't know called Dave Dutra. I actually don't know that second name, but any Brody King singles match is going to be very sick. Also, TJP versus DKC, which I can only imagine must be Donkey <laughs> Kong Country. So, I don't know. Should be we'll one. have to watch that. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, I think that uh, NJPW is heading in, in, in the right direction, even if this was pr- probably the most eminently skeptical G1 in the last, like, four years. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the injuries, people missing, like, it definitely is the the least interest that I've been in a G1 before, and I think it's just also suffering from the, like, being wrapped up in the sort of uh, COVID and... Post-COVID era in New Japan. As they say, yeah, we're still (laughs) within COVID, uh, despite what is said there, but... uh, And also strong, strong taking some of their wrestlers. Like imagine well, if and also just traveling like, being restricted. Like, yeah, if everyone yes. on Strong could actually travel, so maybe not so much that they're imagine stuck. Imagine if Brody King was in this G1. That, like, I'm stick with that, baby. Dude, next year's G1, because since non-essential travel is okay in Japan now, I think to a degree. Uh, I feel like next year, if things continue to improve, which hopefully they do, that's like, yeah, love to see Dickinson, love to see Brody King. Even just injecting Dickinson and Brody King into this G1 and then adding in the people that were left out, Jay White, Osprey, like plus Maybe everyone letting, that's currently in it. Letting G.O.D. just have the night off, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, totally. Dude, That next year, G1 2022 is going to be sick. I definitely at some point want to go to Japan during the G1 and go to like a ton of the shows. Um, Man, that would be absolutely unreal. Maybe next year will be the year probably not maybe the year after uh but yeah yeah and no, i my dream is to do that and then uh draw like basically do like dirt like do live drawing during the events and while like on the trains to the different events uh for so like sick. a special issue of torture act um amazing and dude speaking of sick matches i have a classic match review recommendation that I highly recommend everyone go watch just be- just the pure novelty of it and also the fact that like you're getting to see, you know, someone that you know a lot of us have become a big fan of Shingo Takagi uh face off against someone that Mark is a very big fan of that is a uh... <laughs> how do I want to say as as good as Kenny a Omega de- a divisive in, in topic mind. among the torture racked pro wrestling fan club g chat but on march 8th 2009 a pre wwe seth rollins aka tyler black took on the last dragon shingo takagi within the german-based wrestling promotion Westside extreme wrestling as part of their 16 karat gold tournament the room is dimly lit and the crowd is absolutely wired the match begins with a sequence of mat-based wrestling as a WXW crowd rotates between singing Tyler Black's name and chanting Shingo Takagi's while pounding the mat. Neither man seems to be able to get the upper hand as they wrench headlocks and grapple each other to the ground. The pace starts to pick up when Tyler whips Shingo off the ropes and throws down a Hurricane Rana onto the young dragon. 
Black gains the upper hand as he stomps Shingo to the mat. The crowd continues to rotate chants for both men, despite the fact that Tyler is challenging the crowd to boo him. He places his foot atop Shingo's chest and flexes as the crowd continues their dueling chants. Shingo wrestles Black down to the mat and begins working over his left leg. Tyler Black limps around the ring like a wounded animal as the last dragon stalks his prey. Takagi mounts a sequence of map-based offense that includes a figure four and a Boston crab that causes Tyler Black to writhe around the ring in an excruciating amount of pain. Black attempts to fight back with a few chops, but Shingo knocks him back down to the ground and wrenches the leg once again. Black's leg becomes a target for the entire back half of this match, with Black attempting to use speed and agility to evade Shingo's more grounded offense. Tyler manages to hit a frog splash, but the last dragon seems to absorb Black's energy, staggers to his feet, and hits a hard corner lariat, followed by a pop-up Death Valley driver that crescendos into a pumping bomber and a close two count. The crowd chants this is awesome as Shingo goes for a Made in Japan, but Black reverses into a roll-up for another close two count. Shingo continues to maintain control of the match, throws Black off the ropes once again, and locks in a Made in Japan for a very definitive three count. Both men shake hands and embrace as the crowd chants. Shingo wraps himself in Japan's flag as Tyro Black bows to the last dragon. This is a really incredible match. I'd also like to note Shingo's ability to control a match and tell a map-based story and style clash. Because this same match, like the same sort of analog match happened this past year when Shingo faced off against Okada for the world title. Where Shingo, though, was placed in Tyler Black's position and Okada worked Shingo's position in this match. Uh, the match holds an 8.35 out of 10 on cage match. An A from me. I highly recommend it. Uh, also in this tournament is a quarterfinals match that I'm going to have you watch for our next episode, Mark which features a match that I think we're going to get within the next year, so it'll be great to hear a preview of it. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, hell yes. That is a great recommendation. I'm definitely going to go watch that Tyler Black versus Shingo match. I, I definitely want cool to see, to see. More, more Shingo. Like I would love to see young Shingo. He seems so like he's so fully formed that mm-hmm. I would love to see kind of him like a, a little bit younger. Um, I've always been a fan of Seth Rollins, like not his booking, but just like his in in ring work when he's allowed to just like have a wrestling match. Dude, you know what I am most psyched about that is wrestling related but is not about watching wrestling but it's about talking wrestling is I'm just going to go ahead and tell you recording our first episode in person together. Man, uh we started this during COVID uh as COVID totally. took over the world and you know, have maintained it through that uh, as a this will be the first time we've lives. been together since we've started this podcast, episode 33. Pretty wild. That is absolutely insane. True. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, we come to Siobhan and I would typically come to Canada every summer and winter, but have not because of the pandemic. And now yeah. finally, we, us and Porky, will be live and in person, live from Moncton, New Brunswick. Period. We got to get, we got to get Porky on the episode, on the episode as, as well. Sure. Mark eats Porky on, on Mike. Mark and Porky inter- uh, shoot interview. <laughs> Porky, who's a real bitch backstage? <laughs> Be honest. That's great. All right, man. Hell yeah. See dude. you then. This has been another episode of the Torture Rack Podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Bass. Add Waste of Taste on Instagram, on Letterboxd. You can follow us at Torture Racked 
on Instagram. And while you're at it, get yourself one of our very own Torture Rack staff tees on ProWrestlingTees.com so you can become one of the Torture Rack Wolf Pack. You definitely need a Torture Rack Wolf Pack shirt at some point. Like oh, an NWO style yeah. shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, with like wolves <laughs> on it, for sure. <laughs>